Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever time of the day it is. Let me say welcome. I hope you had an amazing day. You're going to have an amazing day, have an amazing night, whatever it may be. But let me say this. Welcome. Thank you for downloading. And let me take you on this small trip. I'm kind of running solo here because I want to talk to you guys one-on-one. Me, personally, talking with uh, you incredible people, my extended Disney family, my Disney family. Those of you who take time out of your day to download us and uh, let us chatter in your ear. And um, I, I wanted to just get real personal with you guys here, and if that's okay. And what I want to do is, I mean, I'm going to be talking a lot about me right now, and I'm going to be talking a lot about the book here. And I'm also going to go ahead and um, I want to read a few chapters to you guys as well. And And here's why. I'm never going to be that person that is buy me, buy me, buy me. I'm never going to be that person that is, hey, you need to buy my book. You need to get it. Get it. It's the best thing in the world. You're going to, you're going to love it. That's never going to be me, me, guys. And you that have known me over the years, that's not my style. My style is very simple. I just wanted to share it with you guys. And if it's something you want to purchase, awesome. Thanks for the support. If it's something that you want to talk about and, and share, uh, awesome too. I mean, I love it. Um, and, and thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for the support guys. Um, it's very humbling when you're getting inundated with messages saying, I didn't even care what it was about. I, I went ahead and I bought it. I got it on Kindle. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, I've got copies over on, uh, across the pond, you know, that's very humbling for me that somebody's, you know, something that I created has got a hard copy in their book over in Europe. Um, uh, I, I don't even, I'm lost. I'm at a loss for words, guys, you know? So not only do I like to make words up, I'm kind of at a loss here, but I do want to say one word. Um, and, and that would be thanks. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing I can drive home right now. I do do want to go ahead and, and touch on the book and and explain a little bit to you and give you a little bit of a backstory. And uh, I'll start with, um, first of all, everybody has this love for Disney, right? And that's why you're listening to this show. I mean, we're a Disney show, right? You all have those special memories, those special locations within the park. You have all these, these, these memories that are an emotion that bring out um, flavors, um, you know, either visual flavors or, or, or you know, audible flavors, um, you know, even like palatable flavors that, that memories are so strong that you can just, just feel it and sense it, right? Um, and, and, and that's where I kind of wanted to take my story is incorporate these places that mean so much to me. And a lot of these places in my book will mean a lot to you as well, even though they're kind of coded. Because I'll be very honest with you, um, the last thing I want to do is tangle with Disney as far as copyrighted trademarks. I mean, that's definitely the last thing I want to deal with. And I'm sure anybody out there can understand and appreciate the fact that I respect the company and its trademarks. Um, All I did was use... um, what my vision and my dream of of uh, a different you know of something that's different that's going on within Magic Kingdom and and the Walt Disney World at itself. So um, the this this incredible incredible uh, <sighs> um, love that I have for for Disney is um, is really just a kind of me not in my head. So before I start rambling, because. I get flooded with a lot of emotions when I'm talking to you guys, and I, I want to articulate it to the best I can because I'm trying to portray how I feel. Um, number one, the name itself is uh, Pabell the Rightful King. Now, what led me to write this book and get this this 
um, into publication was I have, I love story time with my kids. I love, we love telling stories. We love elaborating. And now that they're getting a little older, I've kind of lost a little bit of touch with that. Um, and, and this is kind of a, a reality check for myself that I need to rein that back in and, and start doing this more with the kids. Um, I, I like creating, we like creating a storyline. Um, for example, we have Prince Patrick with me and Bennett. You know, it's a whole storyline that we've created together. Uh, it's a, you know, a 3D printed castle that I made that I made a diorama that's encased in a resin, a resin sphere. And we can pick this up and we can just have these incredible conversations about creating this storyline with Prince Patrick. I look at where it goes, you know, where it's where we started and where it's where it's at now. And it's just elaborate, this elaborate um, story with characters and where they live. And, it, and it's all just a resin ball with with just a castle and a lake and every you know something that I made for him. And, you know, there's a couple things that that's his accomplishes. It it allows him, one, to open his imagination up before bed. And the second thing it allows is for him to talk to me, even if it's, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it's um, subconsciously or in a roundabout way, he's able to tell me about his life, maybe something that's going on in his life through a character. And so I can, you know, I can listen for any flags that I need to as a parent. You know, I think as a parent, we need to, we need to be aware of what's going on in our children's lives, you know, and there are flags that are thrown in. And this is a way for me to not be paranoid, but I, I, I incorporate that into, um, into it. I mean, I would be foolish not to. So, um, you know, we've created the treasure rooms and the lakes where we fish and the ogre that lives on the other side of the, um, uh, the, the castle and text messages that I thought I was alone, but I'm going to go ahead and mute that. <laughs> so I'm sorry, guys. Um, the, uh, so we've ever incorporate that. So with that, um, you know, the, the imagination is already there. So this is a story that, you know, I've created that, you know, starts in Magic Kingdom. And it just kind of um, evolves from there. I, I really wanted something that I could tie my kids into. Um, you know, my time in the Marine Corps was, um, you know, I was very, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love my country. I, I, I didn't take it very lightly when I signed my name to the dotted line saying I was willing to do anything to defend your freedom. And I meant it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go down this road and have this long discussion about that. But my point is, is I was pr I'm proud of my service. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with people being proud of their accomplishments. But I'm even more proud of this book. And here's why. Because in the Marine Corps or in your place of employment or whatever, a lot of it is teamwork. And, you know, some of you are, you have specialized like your lawyers and stuff. Um, but this, this book right here, this was all me. I mean, it was 100% me. And everything about, you know, the storyline and everything was all a movie that played in my head. This is all something that I was able to just write down. Now, I do want to touch base on my illustrations in there for a second. Um, my illustrator is uh, Catherine McPherson. She is uh, a, a, the daughter of a very, very dear friend of mine and uh, part of my very close Disney family. And um, she uh, originally, her he reached out to me when she was drawing. This is a couple years ago. He said, hey, um, Kat drew a, uh, a picture for you. Um, it's of you and your boys watching the fireworks. Do you mind if I send it to you? I'm like, Absolutely. Anyways, I got it. I loved it. It's hanging on my wall, my office here. It, it'll always be here. It was an incredible gift. Thank you. Um, so I reached out to her when I was getting close to finishing the book. And 
I says, I'm looking for illustrations, and this is what I want. So if you look at the book and you see the small illustrations, that was all on her, right? Now, any pictures that are in there were from my wife, but um, but the illustrations are hers. And she she sent me these illustrations that the rough drafts, you know, when somebody does the rough draft of an illustration and, uh, you know, unknown to her, those are what I wanted for the book. I didn't want a polished, a polished picture. I didn't want like the perfect painting. I wanted the rough pencil sketch for my illustrations because number one, I don't believe in perfection. I think flaws are, um, uh, the flaws of the character of somebody's life, okay? Everybody has flaws. Sometimes they're huge flaws. And I think if a person recognizes them, um, they they can, you know, they can uh, uh, become better because of your flaws, you know? So one thing with the book is, is I didn't want perfection through the book. I wanted, I wanted natural. I wanted a natural storyline that flowed. I wanted um, it written in my style. And I wanted the artwork to just be... Um, natural, like from the cusp, the, her her first attempt. And if you notice in some of the artwork, you'll see um, like Harrison himself. He's got it's got the word Harrison right next to him for her notes, and you can see some of the smudges and some of the eraser marks and some of the other drawings. And those were perfect. I absolutely was in love with them. Um, and those are the ones I used, you know. So I never even got back with her. I'm like, oh, I like this one. I'll polish this one up. I never, I never did that. I wanted, I wanted rough. So when you go through, uh, Kit Kat was uh, my illustrator. Um, incredible. I was so happy to work with her. I hope she allows me to work with her in the future. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, so, anyways, let's uh, let's move on to the book itself. Now, Pabell is uh, a wordplay. A lot of these are wordplays. A lot of these are important to me, okay, guys? Um, Pabell is Parker, P-A, which is my son, Bennett, B-E, which is my son, and my daughter, Lauren, L. So that's where I got the name Pabell. I wanted to incorporate my main character, um, and I wanted to infuse all of the kids' names in the main character. So I, for the longest time, I had a play on words I wanted, wanted to do. But I'll tell you about Pabell. Um... He is not the focal point of my book. I never wanted him to be like the main character, main character, the one that you're going to attach to, the one that you're going to love with, be in love with. Um, we, I was having a discussion about the book with uh, one of my dear friends. Um, I don't, don't want to drop a name, but you know who you are, Katie. Um, and, you know, she was talking about, oh, I connected with this person, that person. <clears throat> and I loved, I loved her feedback because I, um, and she was like, I just didn't, you know, was honest, like I didn't connect with. And I'm like, that's awesome because that's really ultimately, I just wanted him to be the catalyst. I want him to be the catalyst to the next level, um, the next part of the book. I wanted with, you know, his actions are the reason why all this other stuff happens. Um, so I, he's, he's always kind of like my, my rook on the board, right? Just keep moving him around the board, right? And everything else is kind of following suit. Um, he is, he is somebody that, that is um, pure in heart. Um, he's somebody that I, I I loved to my soul. You know what I mean. He's somebody that is um, he is my youngest son, Bennett. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, this kid. This kid has got the. I mean, everybody's raised about their kids. I mean, and 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 I get it, but just hear me out for a second. Um, He's got the heart of a king. He's his heart is so beautiful. I've I've never met a kid who, if I say, "Hey Bennett, come here. You want some of these jelly beans?" He's like, "Yeah, but can I get 
can I get some for Parker? You know, he's always looking out for his little, his big brother. Um, he's always looking out for mom. He's always like, well, dad, what about this? Um, he is so, he's so good inside. You know, he doesn't like being in trouble. Um, but yet he's mischief has, you know, he's mischievous. Um, he doesn't, uh, he, 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 I mean, he's not a pushover. I mean, he'll plummet his brother. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're, we're the typical American family. I should even say American family. I guess we're the, just a typical family where brothers are just going to go rounds or, or siblings are going to just, just destroy each other. Uh, it happens. Um, but, but ultimately his, his, he's just so, he's so amazing inside. And I just, I love him to death. He's just uh, incredible. Uh, so Pabell really, when I, when I start getting kind of where I want to take the story, um, I think about his heart. I think about Bennett's heart. I think about how much he loves people and how much he cares about everything. And, um, there was, there was one point, uh, we were watching, Oh, we were watching Joe Dirt. It was on the. It was on TV. We just took it. And those of you who have seen it, and there's a spot where the dog is on the porch, and you know, part of him gets frozen to the um, porch. Okay. And I'm dying. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is. And and my son looks at me, and this isn't funny. That that probably hurts the dog. I don't understand why everybody's laughing. It's not funny. I don't. And he just. He didn't. He he was just. He just didn't. He just couldn't grasp the concept of how there could be any humor with something else suffering. You know what I mean? He's just just such an amazing kid. Um, I still found it funny, but I mean that's just me. Uh, anyways, um, the uh, moving forward with the book, uh, the book title itself is called Pabell, the Rightful King," and it's um, it. I'll read the back of it for you here too. Um, thank you, Kevin Kessler, by the way, for the shout out on the on your on your podcast, man. That that was incredible. I really appreciate that. So here it goes. The back of the book, right? When Pabell learns of the gift stone from his friend, their journey takes them across the world we love, touching on attractions and magical place we have yet to see. The band of unlikely friends make us believe, with nods to incredible cast members, Walt Disney's vision of greatness, and visits to attractions, you will enjoy the journey. You may even believe. Um, the I, I'm throwing a lot of ums in there because I want to collect my thoughts here, guys. Um, the the story itself, when I'm when I when I started it, I knew I knew how I wanted to start it, and I wanted to evolve the writing as I went along. I wanted kind of this lighthearted. This is what I'm feeling. This is who I am. And then I just wanted to evolve into the actual story itself. So I wanted it to be almost as if we were sitting around the campfire and I was telling you the story and you're kind of seeing it yourself. And I wanted the writing style to kind of where all of a sudden you look into the fire and you're no longer hearing me. You're actually in the in watching the story yourself, you know, living it yourself. I know it, it might sound very weird or corny, but that was kind of the direction I wanted to go, and here's why I wanted to do that. I wanted the, I didn't want any of the book to focus on me, the narration. I didn't want any of the book to focus on any one character. I wanted it to just to be a, a, a big, like just one flowing story. That's what I wanted. So anyways, I know that sounds rather complex, and when you read the book, you can be like, what, 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 what? So, um, but, you know, deep down, that's what I really wanted to do. 
So let's go ahead and uh, let's dive into the uh, story, if you guys don't mind. I want to read a couple chapters to you. And and like I said, if if this is something that you want to continue reading, awesome. Grab the book. I appreciate the support. You know, um, you know if, it, if it's uh, not for you, that dude, I'm fine with that. That's completely okay. And oh, before I do that, um, I you know, and here here's a here, I'm just gonna be very frank and very personal, honest with you. I was approached by a publisher because I wanted some feedback. I mean, having the show, we have our hands on a lot of things, right? Now, I decided, um, uh, I opted out of because I'm I'm just a guy in central Wisconsin. I'm not an author. You know what I mean? I never consider myself an author. I just I wrote a book. Uh, I mean, well that doesn't make sense. That's you are you're an author obviously. Yeah, but it's not a it's not my lifestyle. It's not a livelihood of mine. It's a hobby that I wanted to share with you guys, right? So with that being said, I'm very stingy with what's mine. I'm very possessive of of my mind. And this this book is mine. And when I was approached by the publisher, we talked and and I just didn't want to relinquish any rights to the book. I want it to be mine. This is mine. I don't expect to make a ton of money off of this book, to be honest with you. If anything, I'll probably lose money. Um, and, and that's okay because it's a bucket list item that I checked off. However, um, but I had the Disney Dads podcast. And I thought, you know, I, I've got thousands of people that I'll just share it with. And if they want to buy it, they'll buy it. I don't need marketing. I don't need anything. But it's all mine then. I have control over everything. And that's the only reason I went the direction I did. Because uh, KDP, Alfred, where if, I don't care where you are in the world. You know, if you're down in Mexico City, you can buy the book and you'll have it in a day or two. If you're over in Japan, you can buy the book. You'll have it in a day or two. You know, it's a worldwide distribution right off the bat. They made it so easy. And I get to keep all the rights. You know, this is all mine. I don't share. I don't have to put my name to paper or anything. I stayed away from any Disney trademarks because I don't want to go to war with those guys. But how do you express something you love so much? And how do you want to create something that's so that, that you're so passionate about, um, you know, without stepping on toes? And that was something I really kind of danced around a lot because that's the last thing I want to do. I don't, I don't ever want... Disney, you think I'm trying to steal from them? Because, guys, you, you know me. I am I am one big commercial for these guys. So I definitely didn't want to go down that road with, with Disney. And um, so I, I was very careful on how I did everything. And so moving forward, um, let me go ahead and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let's get in the book. Let's read a couple chapters. And, um, and once again, I appreciate your guys' time. Pabell, the Rightful King. I had the most real dream. You may even believe it. If you were to stand at exactly 28 degrees, 24 minutes, 57 seconds north, 81 degrees, 34 minutes, 52 seconds west, looking to the south, you will see the Great Bay. If you were to do an about face, and that means turn around to face north, you will see where the singing dragon lives. Under her home, you will find a cave. Walk into the cave and you will see greatness on the walls, a nod to the great wizard and places yet to explore. There are areas of the cave that provide shelter during the rain mixed with gleeful anticipation of the day's journey and tears of sorrow when it comes to an end. As you push through the cave, you will see Pabel's land, his home, his kingdom. It opens to a courtyard which pays tribute to the protector, with a ceremony conducted twice a day. To the right is great pasta, and just up the road is the sweet shop. 
This place is forbidden for anyone to enter. Even the king himself has decreed that not even a gifted one shall enter this magical place. Walking past the Museum of Legends, you come to a small alley on the right-hand side. It's a stone road and quiet setting are interrupted only by slight piano music from the window above. If you continue to walk to the very end, you will see a large front door which appears to be made for man, but it's just decoration. Stop, turn to the right, take seven steps, and turn right again. Do you see the small square hole in the wall? It looks like a home where water would hide, or maybe wires from all the contraptions in the kingdom feeding from the buzzing electrical light, but it's not. If you were to open it, which would be rude without knocking, you would see a tiny mouse sitting in his recliner, sipping on a spot of tea. Next chapter. Go tell the king. Pabel is a simple mouse. He does not have many friends, and he always does the right thing. The people who are closest to him claim he has the highest of highs, and when it comes to his heart, if you were to eavesdrop, which I don't recommend, you may hear people talk about how wonderful Pabel was to them. Of course, being a kind person makes you vulnerable to being taken advantage of, and no one likes that. Pabel is no exception. A kind heart can be heavy with sadness because people are just mean, and no one likes a mean person, especially a heart that believes the best of the world. Pabel, Pabel, comes a loud shout followed by intense repeat knocking. Almost nodding off with the afternoon fuzzies, the mouse jumps up from the excitement and spills the now cold tea all over himself. He looks down to, at his vest and his first thought is not who is knocking or even why it seems to be so important. Oh no, his first thought is, I am so glad this tea was cold because hot tea in the lap would be rather uncomfortable. Walking over to the door, he opens it wiping the tea off his vest and lap. To his surprise, it is his longtime friend, Wreck, the most peculiar squirrel you will ever meet. Do you have one of those friends who is so close to your heart that you can be miles apart, years since seeing each other, and yet when you meet up, it's like you never left? Well, this friend is Wreck. Wreck is a peculiar squirrel and extremely animated in all of his actions. He always talks with his hands, and if anyone would have one word to describe him, it would be... Busy. He is a tall, slim squirrel with the oddest haircut you would ever lay eyes on. It is as crooked as a bent hanger and spotty at best. To the average person, you may look at his haircut and think it is ridiculous, but he wears it proudly. There is a backstory to his odd style, but we will save that for another time. Oh, Pabell, Wreck yells while going in to hug his old friend. Pabell's smile is wide as he embraces his old squirrel friend. There seems to be a brighter day when your best friend gives you a hug. Pabell, the king, animating every part of his body like he was doing some weird dance. What about the king, my friend? Pabell inquires with a puzzled look on his face. Pabell motions over to his sofa, knowing that the squirrel would still stand, but guiding the conversation so he could sit back down on his recliner. As the squirrel with the odd haircut walks over, Pabell looks down at his empty cup sitting on the end table, and tea crosses his mind. A spot of tea with one drop of honey is what he brews as Rec looks for words to express his excitement. Just outside of Pabell's door, on the other side of the alley, a large crow sits silently watching Wreck enter Pabell's house. Once Wreck is completely inside, the crow spreads his wings and caws two times, taking flight, climbing higher and higher over the kingdom. 
He had found what he had been looking for, and as he flies over the jungle and past the house in the tree, he finds his landing spot high on Waterfall Mountain and right next to River Village. His three crow brothers are there patient, pacing impatiently. Big Crow, did you find the map? Babyfeet yells as he watches his brother's perfect landing next to him. In a deep voice and panting from flight, I found it. The squirrel has it, and it's, on, it's at the mouse's house on the alley off of Main Street. Then why didn't you grab it, the leech moans. Big Crow looks angrily at the leech and takes a step towards him. Big Crow towers over his little brother, they call the leech. Anytime you want to do something for the family instead of expecting us to handle everything, please let me know. He has a soft overtone to his voice, but don't let that fool you because he is mean to the bone. Before I go any further, I should tell you about the four crow brothers. No one knows if they really are brothers, but they say they are. No one knows if they actually call themselves something, but everyone calls them in, in the kingdom calls them the Goon Squad, a group of vile birds that are an embarrassment to the animal kingdom. Some even say they live in such a kingdom on the island by the pink birds high in the tree. Big Bird is a large one. Coin, who cackles like a witch in a cartoon, offers his opinion on all, but is not quite smart enough to always have one himself. He loves money, and if you see him, he will always be twirling a coin in, in his feathers. And of course, the leech, who lives only to get from others. Last but not least, you have Baby Feet, who is the littlest crow you ever saw. In fact, a group of bird watchers came across him once and called him the ugliest starling they ever have seen. He is the master manipulator and leader of the group. It isn't that hard of a job to lead such a group of imbeciles, and he has, has managed it flawlessly. Back up at Bell's house, we see the mouse sitting on his recliner about to take his first sip of tea. He pauses to enjoy how wonderful it smells, a slightly bitter tea with a drop of honey rolling off the steam. It is a simple pleasure he loves every time. Wreck! You have to slow down. I'm having a hard time understanding you, the mouse forces out with a tad of tea on his tongue to swallow. I was headed to the market, Rex says, putting both hands up and down and up and then pointing as if Pavel can see what his mind is seeing. This paper was floating in the moat by the castle. I grabbed it. The king, he, he, Rex says, urgently pushing the paper to the mouse. Rolling the paper open, he reads it. By order of the one. To all who witnessed this day, let it be known. And here the paper is largely ripped. The keeper of the gift stone shall always rule this hidden land for all, that on this day no one shall question the authority of the keeper of the stone. Furthermore, the king himself is tasked in creating a security detail to protect the castle, the gift stone, and the secret. Here there are a lot more tears and rips. At the very bottom it is signed, The One, with a small hand-drawn map. Rec, why don't you bring this to the king? This belongs in the treasury at the castle. This seems very important, Pabell muses, louder than normal, and placing his tea on the small table next to him as he stands up. Yes, yes, we have to get this to the king, staring down at it and gently shaking his head up and down. Wreck! Why didn't you bring it here? Why did you bring it here instead of the castle? Pabell barks while staring at him, the paper by his side. Because of what's on the back, Rex says, almost scared that his friend was talking to him so harshly. The mouse flips over the paper, and at the bottom, hidden in the rips and tears, he can make out the mouse is the valid king. Pavel takes a deep breath, and his thoughts turn to the king. King Nepid is an owl, a great white owl, who is fair and just. You're the only mouse I know, Pavel. I wanted you to see it because maybe it's your family or something. The squirrel stutters with a tear coming out of his eye. 
Pavel is taken back by his friend's reaction and quickly apologizes. Putting both of his mouse hands up to his face, Pavel speaks softly, I'm sorry, Rick. I don't know what came over me. I'm so curious about the gift stone is Pavel speaking to himself more than anything. Stepping outside to get a fresh air, he notices white suit. You will see these people in the kingdom clinging away the mistakenly dropped garbage on the ground and typically smiling. This group of employees are absolute gold, so pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. They are the world of knowledge, radiate kindness, and keep the streets pristine. One in particular that had always been Pabell's good friend is taking a break from the heat at the table. Sitting down with his glasses on to tie a fishing fly. Jersey, how are you? Pabell yells out while looking at the giant of a human. Sweeper Jersey in his brilliant white suit with a broom resting against a chair peeks over his glasses, giving the biggest, most genuine smile imaginable. Well, hello, Pabell. I have not seen you in forever, my little friend. How are you? Jersey taps gently on the tabletop next to his newly tied fly and invitations for the small mouse to join him. Pabell jumps up on the table. Have you ever heard of the gift stone, Pabell inquires? Sweeper Jersey raises his hand to his chin in a subconscious action of thought. I have heard of it before. Rumor has it that it's half green like the most brilliant of emeralds and half purple like a glowing amethyst. When I was newly hired, that name came across a few times, something about the key to the secrets. The creator found the stone on one of his adventures, but I've never paid much attention to it. At that time, I was just in shock that this whole world opened up. To see things differently and talk to animals, I was just in shock. I'm sorry, Pabell. I don't remember much of this, but if you want, I can ask around. Jersey offers while raising his eyebrow out of curiosity. If you do hear something, I'd like to know. But please, keep this between us. I have something I need to look into, and I'll fill you in later. Pabell replies as he waves goodbye and jumps onto the half-pulled-out chair and then to the ground. Across the road on the ground, right under Pabell's front door, the squirrel Rex stands patiently as he waits for Pabell to come over. Rex, I need you to do something for me, Pabell asks with a crucial tone. Instinctively, Rex knows somehow he is in this with Pabell. Rex, I need you to go to King Netbin and tell him about all this. Rex Squirrel's eyes widen. Pabell, I have no way of getting past the guards. The the doors, how do I get? Pabell cuts him off with a signal of his hand. Wait here, the mouse tells his longtime friend. Running up the ladder to his front door, Pabell goes straight into his bedroom and pulls a ring made for a man out from under the bed. Rolling the ring out, Pabell notices how light it is. He has no difficulty pushing it to the entrance or carrying it down the ladder to where his friend waits and hands the ring over to Rec. Tell the guard it's for the king. Rec grabs the ring, placing a large plastic twist tie through it for easier handling, and places it in a satchel. As he turns away, he catches Pabell's eye. The mouse nods to Rec for him to continue, and Rec sees concern in Pabell's face for the first time since he had known him. The Mysterious Boss On one of the bends near the top of Waterfall Mountain, a group of tiny birdhouses are safely mounted on a tree trunk. A little bird opens the front door to smell Grandma's pie cooking in the house that stands under them. Walking to the edge of the porch, he looks down to the river to see a vehicle pass under. He loves to see all the faces smiling and pointing up at his house. He knows they can't see him, but it still brings him joy. He lets his gaze fall downriver to where that snake oil salesman who sells critter juice has his wagon and notices the goon squad pacing around. 
He yells back inside. Ma, those nasty birds are back. He hears the door fly open and something grab a handful of feathers by his ear before he can even turn around. Now get your tiny feather butt inside away from those troublemakers right now, the door slams shut. Little Feet, the leader of the goon squad and smallest of the crows, glances upriver to the sound of a small birdhouse door slamming shut, then looks back down to the water and retreats back into his thoughts. He doesn't give a second glance to the people in their vehicles laughing and smiling as they pass because they can't see him anyways. If we don't find that stone, the boss is going to be crazy mad at us, Coinge half yells and caws at the same time. I've got the boss under control. Don't sweat it, Little Feet states arrogantly. Besides, looking around to make sure no one else can hear the conversation, he leans in closer to Coins and whispers, I've got a plan anyways, while raising his eyebrows up and down. When we do find the stone, I have it all figured out. He smirks and nods his head, trying to convince his brothers of his authority and secret plan. <clears throat> Hot dog fishing. Back in the alley, Wreck, the peculiar squirrel, stands tall, takes a deep breath, then turns his head away from Pabell and looks to the street ahead. Today is a busy day on Main Street. Every resident of the land is well aware of the crowds. No one wants to get stepped on by a lost dad pushing a stroller, and would you? As Wreck heads from the alley to Main Street, he turns the corner and sees the big beautiful crystal castle displayed in the window that always catches his eye. He always dreamed of owning such a perfect piece of art. He may only be a squirrel in body, but in heart and mind he has a deep sophistication hidden by his clumsy demeanor. Hopping on the sidewalk, he can smell the fresh coffee and pastries from the bakery ahead. Taking a small peek in the window, he catches an odd reflection off in the distance on top of the corner eatery across the street. Turning his head away from the window's reflection towards the actual scene unfolding in the street, he tosses his arms up in bewilderment and is repulsed by what he is witnessing. Pelican Mike, who goes by the name P.M., and I am telling you this because for the longest time, I thought his name was pronounced P.M. <clears throat> like I was clearing my throat. And yes, he gave himself that nickname. Anyway, he is trying to fish a hot dog off a child's plate with a fishing pole. Every resident that lives in the kingdom is responsible to stop things from happening to guests that would cause suspicion. Every resident of the kingdom has a role in protecting the secrecy of the fog. Some push the limits and some follow the rules, but Wreck the Squirrel follows the rules. He runs down Main Street while dodging the foot traffic, slowing his pace a little as he sneaks under a stroller behind the street singers, who, I may add, have incredible harmony, and if you have ever, ever heard them, you would agree. Climbing up the stroller he was using for protection, he climbs he jumps up and looks to the crowd to see the wooden baseball player as a landmark and runs in that direction. With the hook almost taking the hot dog off the plate, Wreck makes a crowd-weaving sprint to the table. Wreck climbs up the back of the chair with enough time to stop the hook from removing the extra-long hot dog from the plate. The child did not even notice the small shift in the chair or the fact that her lunch was still all hers. I think I may have some explaining to do for you. How does a squirrel run through the busy streets unnoticed? How are people so oblivious to the residents of the kingdom? How are some things only seen by a few? We will get to all of these answers in a bit, so be patient with me. For if I tell you the secrets of the kingdom, 
you just might believe. And in that moment of believing, you may be in a magical land and witness things that no one else can see. If I tell you these secrets, you may be having a snack in the back of the alley and see Pabell hop out of his home and grab the morning paper. If you're lucky, he may even wave at you. Wave back, for it would be a wonderful feeling if you did. I'm sure by now you realize the gift stone is the key to the magic of the whole land. When you are granted certain jobs in a kingdom, you are gifted the ability to see the kingdom or world around you. It is a gift to make new friends and be its protector. But you have to believe, and that's half the magic. To be completely honest with you, I'm not sure exactly where the gift stone came from, but the creator went on a long, hard adventure to find it. I'm also not sure even if he knew it had the magic and the ability to make the fog. The fog, you ask? Well, the world is not really hidden. It's there all the time. Pabell and all his friends, along with the hidden homes and paths, the small papers with the day's news, the size of your fingernail, and the hustle and bustle of the king's men. The fog is what I call it. It just makes it so that the ungifted, if that's even a word at all, are oblivious to the hidden kingdom. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you started to believe and it gifted you the visibility into the fog? Let's return to PM. The slightly overweight pelican with his cowboy hat is talking in a southern drawl that would make any Texas cowboy jealous. Wreck, you don't cost me my lunch, PM yells, throwing the fishing pole on the roof next to him. Walking to the edge of the roof, he leans over to see Wreck where Wreck went. At that very same time, Wreck is climbing up the funny wooden man with a baseball uniform, swings from the overhang support poles, and starts his climb to the roof. Right when Wreck hits the top of the roof and tries to peer over, PM leans over to see the squirrel, and in perfect timing, their noses touched and shot an electrical charge to each other. Zap! You know those cold, dry days when you walk around with your socks on and touch your brother or sister just to shock them? Well, this is exactly the same thing. The cloth canvas roof was just enough to create a static charge on Rex's squirrel feet to send a hard shock. When this occurs, PM, the big tough pelican, yells in surprise at Rex being right at his nose and the punch from miniature lightning to his face. He stands up as he takes a step back with his wings in the air, trying to balance himself as he trips and falls square on his bum. Sitting there dazed, he waits for Wreck to jump up and do something. But Wreck isn't there. Wreck? PM quietly yells out with his left eyebrow slightly raising. Wreck! A little louder, this time standing up quickly and looking behind him. Wreck! He yells loudly as he runs over to the edge of the roof. Looking down, he sees the squirrel laying on his stomach next to the black fence. Wreck! PM yells as he opens his wings and jumps down to the squirrel. Lining next to him, he sees Wreck is not moving at all. The one thing he did not see when Wreck hit the ground was the ring fly out of his pouch onto the grass. Guys, I think I'm going to stop there, and here's why. is As the story continues, and I introduce new characters, and they cross paths, and um, I, I kind of take you on this, this, this small journey, um... Before I close, I, I want to say that, um, to be honest with you, this, this kind of took me uh, a few days to make, coming, you know, stopping and pausing and, and uh, coming back down. Um, and I, I'm, 
I'm hoping that you guys in, enjoyed it, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. And I really am, um, personally, in my heart, I am very thankful for this community, these, these people like yourself out there, wherever you are in the world, uh, listening to the show. And like I stated before, I'm not going to be that guy that's going to be plugging every time um, I can. It's, uh, I mean, it, it is my in my network, our network. So sure, I'll talk about it once in a while, guys. And, and I appreciate you allowing me to do that too. And, and uh, for those of you who do pick up the book, awesome. Thank you so much. You know, I... Um, I don't know what to say, you know, except for thank you. So with that, guys, hey, I, I want to say, um, as always, have an incredible day, an incredible week. And um, for those of you that uh, are maybe having a hard time right now, um, I want to say just hang in there, right? I always, I always just like to keep your, keep your, keep your head in the game, keep your body in the game. Don't, don't check out. It's a uh, Believe me, it's not worth it. So um, with that, guys, have a nice day. And do not forget to make somebody smile. I think I may have some explaining to do. (laughs) (laughs) The fog. Yes, Jason, the fog. White when whack, <laughs> white white when white when whack hits the hits the hits a dang. For to tell for if I. Oh, seriously, Jason.